Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 17th of May 2009, entitled, A Good Soldier. And the Bible reading is taken from 2 Timothy. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Second Timothy, I'm going to, I'm going to read the first eight verses of chapter four to start with, but uh, we're going to do something, and nothing's real unusual with me sometimes, but we're going to actually read the entire book of Second Timothy tonight and uh, make a few points, but uh, uh, we're going to take it in, uh, in segments a chapter at a time and look at some things that hopefully will be a help and a blessing to us here. Let's begin by standing and and reading uh, from chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Father, we thank you again this evening for the time that we have together. Father, we are so very much aware, Lord, that if anything is to be said and done here this evening, that the Lord is going to have any eternal effects, it must come from you. And so, Father, we pray for thy touch, for thy anointing, not because that this preacher or anyone else here deserves anything this evening. Father, by your grace, because we stand in such great need, would you reach down, anoint thy servant, make thy words alive unto our heart, and Lord, speak to us that which we need to hear this evening. In Christ's precious name we pray, amen and amen. When Paul got to the end, he was able to speak those words which... You see on the screen before you, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And I think many times, you know, what, uh, what a great blessing. If we can get to the end of it all and even just be able to speak those simple words that he was able to speak. I want us to think tonight because, of course, in just about a week and a half's time, our missions conference will be beginning here at Bethel. I give you fair warning, as I have done for many years, that uh, uh, next Sunday morning, God willing, we will depart from our series that we have been going through, and we'll be looking at this matter of faith promise giving, because I trust and pray that all of you are doing everything that you possibly can to get the gospel to the ends of the world. And I know that for some of us, that if there is anything more to be done through me or through this church this year, it's going to have to be God that does something that is beyond our means. And that's what we want to look at next Sunday, God willing. But I want to look at something here this evening, and 
You can really look at it from a perspective as the whole church as a whole, if you would, or as individuals. You see, that's the thing that when the Apostle Paul got to the end, Paul talked much about fighting the fights. Even those words there, he said that, uh, that he had fought a good fight, that he had finished his course. And I believe that God has a course for each and every one of us. It's not for you to have to do somebody else's course. It's not for anybody else to have to do yours. But God has a course for your life. He got to the end. He was able to say he had fought a good fight. He had finished his course. He had kept the faith. And as a result of that, he knew that there was a crown of righteousness that was laid up for him in glory, and not for him only. But I like the last part of verse 8. He says, but unto all them also that love his appearing. We looked this morning and we talked some about these battles and things like that. And you noticed in your bulletin that I've simply titled our thoughts for this evening, the good soldier, a good soldier. If you want to give that a subtitle, you could say the business of the church, because you see each and every one of us individually, we want to be able to stand before God one day and him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. The truth is, is that as a body, as a unit, we that are united together as one body in Christ here at Bethel Free Baptist Church, then the truth is, is that we have a course to finish together. There is that which God would have us to do as a body of Christ here as the church that Jesus Christ is the head of. And so these things tie together very much. Now, if you notice back in chapter 1 and verse uh, 15, Paul said, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, Apostle Paul is saying here, I mean, the others have gone off and left him. You know, the truth is, is he's looking pretty lonely out there in this battle that's, that's, that's before him. And that's the way it is sometimes. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Thou, therefore, speaking to young Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's simply where I've taken my title from this evening, a good soldier. And then, of course, down in verse 19, he says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. A simple question this evening. How, how can we be a good soldier? That's what he's challenged Timothy to be here, is to be a good soldier. How can we come to the end with that confidence that we see the Apostle Paul had there in chapter 4? Well, I just want to give you three simple things this evening about a good soldier. First of all, his priorities. You know, what is important for that soldier? Secondly, his patriotism. How faithful is he to the cause that's not his own, but something higher. And third, his passion. You know, every one of us here this evening, I know you wouldn't believe it, 
looking at some of you right now, it looks like you're going to be struggling just to stay awake through this. But we're all passionate about something. I wasn't I wouldn't looking at you, Peter. <laughs> we're all passionate about something in life, aren't we? And I think that that's one of the things. As we look at these three simple things, first of all, I want us to think about this thought of a good soldier's priorities. Now look with me, if you would, into chapter 1. Chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, and we're going to see what this first priority ought to be of a good soldier, and thus for us as a church as well. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up down in, in, in verse 8, and I'm going to read through verse 14 of this first chapter. He says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus when? Before the world began, he said but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. As we look this, you notice that the, the Apostle Paul, as he said many times in other places in the Scriptures, he began there in, in verse 8, he is not ashamed. He's not ashamed of God. He's not ashamed of what God has done for him. He's not ashamed of the gospel according to the power of God. And I believe with all my heart. Now, I know that the highest end, the highest purpose in our lives, if you would, is to glorify God, okay? We have a task to do though. I believe that the way in our lives that we can greatest glorify God, the greatest task undertaking that we have in this life is that of evangelization, of not being ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, of what he's done for us, of what he wants to do for others. I would say unashamedly without any shadow of a doubt whatsoever that you have no greater privilege in all the world than to lead an individual to the throne of grace, to meet the Lord. You can't save anybody. But I say this, and folks, I'm not exaggerating. I honestly believe with everything within me, every individual here tonight, if you were to devote your life to God, if you were to devote your life to sharing the gospel of not being ashamed of what God's done in your life, of what Jesus Christ is to you, I believe that whatever time, we're all different ages here tonight. But I don't care if you're the youngest or the oldest. 
If the priority in our life is the evangelization of souls, Jesus came to this earth for that purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. The very last thing that he left us to do when he left here was to take that message to those that haven't heard it. Whatever else that your life holds for you, I believe that the greatest priority above all else should be to be a witness, to be a soul winner, to carry Jesus Christ to every human being that you possibly have a chance. And whatever else you do with your life, if one day you win the greatest contest on the face of this earth, if you hold the highest office on the face of this earth, there is absolutely nothing that will count for more when you stand before God. And he says, well done, than to have led a soul to Christ. Nothing, nothing is of greater value. It was Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What is it all worth in comparison to a soul? That's the message that the Apostle Paul is trying to get across to this young preacher, to Timothy. Timothy, the priority of your life has got to be Standing up boldly, not being ashamed of what God has done, of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And I believe that for us, to be a good soldier, to stand before God one day, the first priority in our life has got to be evangelization. I believe as a church that our greatest priority is not getting all everybody else that's out there in those other churches that are dissatisfied with this, that, and the other in here. If God sends them, fine. We want them to feel welcome. But folks, our emphasis should be upon winning the lost to Christ, getting those that are lost saved. If we place our emphasis as a church, our priority upon the evangelization of those lost souls, God will take care of the others that he wants to send in. Evangelization, that's our first priority. But notice what he goes on to say in chapter 2. Just listen to what he says here and try to think, what is the priority that he's setting forth here. Now, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully? The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. They might bind me, but they're not going to bind his word. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, 
For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto mighty ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strives. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Now you know that as we look at this, there's a number of things in that chapter, but there is a theme there that you hear over and over and again from the beginning of it unto the end of it. You see, our priority is not only evangelization, winning the soul to Christ, but what would follow evangelization? Education. Discipleship, we call it that they teach and learn and know the things of God. Do you realize that we have this phenomenal responsibility that he's trying to point out to us, and he's talking about this, this, this good soldier and the responsibilities that come with it? Evangelization is our highest priority, but education is second. Teaching them to know and to trust and to stand upon the sure foundation that we find in Jesus Christ. Teach. Teach, teach. Then we find that as we move to chapter 3 that we have another priority. See if you can recognize this one as you listen to what it says here. He says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, 
truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, much more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Any of that sound familiar? Notice what he says in verse 6. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they all proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Now, he's painting a pretty vivid picture here. And I want to tell you something. If you go back, and I've, I've tried to take my time reading through those, you know, he, he paints a pretty bleak picture, doesn't he? I mean, he's saying this is what the last days are going to be like. This is the kind of people you're going to be around. This is where their minds are going to be. Verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all. The Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Did you hear that? Shall I read it again? Yea, and what's the next word? All that do what? That will live godly in Christ Jesus. That's quite a life to be living godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But here's your instruction, Timothy. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Priority. First of all, our priority is evangelization. Second, it's education. But you know what? Once you've been saved, once you've been taught, Every one of you here, you know what else you're going to need? Some edification, some lifting up, some building up, one with another. Do you realize that's our business as a church? That's our business as individuals. If we want to be good soldiers, if we want to be able to get to the end and hear the Lord say to us, well done. Our first priority needs to be evangelization, winning the souls to Christ. Secondly, it needs to be education, discipling through the Word of God, 
But thirdly, folks, we need continual edification, building up. That's part of what the body is all about. He's talking about, man, it's going to be bad, bad, bad. And guess what? It's going to get worse, worse, worse until the trumpet sounds. Don't expect it to get better. That doesn't mean that just because that society as a whole is turning away from God, that doesn't mean that we have to. It doesn't mean that our church has to. The truth is, is that amidst all that, he's encouraging him, look, you've got to stay the place. You've got to fight the fight. You've got to stay firm. But we're going to need to be edified. <laughs> we're going to need to encourage one another as we see taking place here. And that edification, the greatest edification of all, is going to come from God's Word. But there's something else that every good soldier has to keep in mind. And you know, this is something that I guess that sometimes we can approach with dread or sometimes we can approach with joy. And that's kind of the way that the second coming of the Lord is. <laughs> Do you think about it with great joy or does a bit of dread begin to creep in there? The real question comes, just like with so many things, Am I ready to face him right now with my life right now just like it is? Am I ready to stand before God? You see, one thing that is continual over and over and over in a soldier's life is this forced thing, and it's called evaluation. <laughs> We're all going to be evaluated. Every soldier is evaluated. And, of course, if he wants to move up in the rank, he's got to get good on his evaluations. You get bad on the evaluations, there's no room for promotion is there we find in god's word we find you know illustrations where he gives us about the talents you know we've got to be faithful in the few things if he's going to trust us with the many notice what he says here in chapter four he said timothy i charge thee therefore before god and the lord jesus christ who shall judge the quick and the dead those that are alive and those that are dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Timothy said, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Paul was getting to the end. He says, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. He's writing a letter. He's not talking about his departure of walking out the door. He's talking about his departure of leaving this world. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, for that reason, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this 
present world. And has departed from Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas and Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. You know, sometimes that's hard for us, isn't it? When we've done, been done wrong in this life, we want to take care of it. <laughs> we want to take care of it right now. And, of course, some people get upset with us. I don't go around trying to pick fights and trying to put people down for the sake of Matter of fact, we need to be very, very, very careful anything that we say about anybody. But we need not be ashamed. When somebody has departed from the truth, Paul called him by name, Alexander the coppersmith. <laughs> He's the one that did me wrong, but God's going to deal with him, not me. Of whom be thou where also? For he hath greatly withstood our words. You need to be careful of him. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge Wow. Everybody forsook me. Everybody left it on me, but I don't want them. I have to pay for that. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. To him glory forever and ever. Amen. Where's our confidence? You see, you could say that Paul wasn't afraid of the evaluation because of his expectation. He was expecting something good. He was looking for that crown of righteousness that had been laid up for him because he had confidence. And, and listen, he's not being boastful and prideful. You just read the Apostle Paul a bit. Man, I mean, if it had done him any good, if he could take the whip and, and, and beat himself, he would have done it. He was always, he felt the least of God's. He was the one that just got so upset with himself because, you know, man, I knew not to do that, and yet I did it anyway. I knew I should do that, but I didn't. He's not there because he's a perfect man. But he's there because he's genuinely, wholeheartedly given himself to God, all that he is and all that he has. And we see very clearly as we look through these, he had the right priority, a good soldier. Evangelization, the gospel was the number one priority with him. Boy, over and over and over again, he was never ashamed of the gospel. That's got to be our priority. Secondly, education, not just to get somebody saved and then forsake them, but that they be discipled and taught the sound doctrines to be able to stand in it. Then edification. We need to be built up, courage, encouraged. Then, of course, finally, evaluation. We will all, we will all stand before God one day, but what do we really expect from him? You see, these are a good soldier's priorities. 
I'm going to give you just a couple of things in closing because I think that these are the priorities that not only for individuals but as a church, there's got to be our priorities. And that's why that I've said time and time and time again, I know, I don't know how many of you here tonight, there's some of you that, I mean, I've had it said to me before that think it's really a waste to have a missions conference, that we're spending all this money for these few days, and we all know that we, we support missions anyway. Because I believe it's one of the most important eatings that we have out of all of the year because there is not a one of us. You know, I, I thank God. I look back and I was writing something last week. I think maybe it was a prayer letter to my supporting churches, and I, I was writing something somewhere, and I kind of got to thinking, and, and, and I thought about the fact, you know, that, uh, man, I'm over a half a century old now. I've been a Christian for over 40 years. I've been a preacher for over 30 years. And it's all flashed by so quickly. And I look back, and, and I mean, the, the, the reality is, is when we all look at ourselves, what has our lives accomplished? You know, I, I, I realize, <laughs> I, I know my weaknesses and my failings better than any of you. You just, you just think you know them. You've only seen a few of them. <laughs> I know them all. The problem is, I think I know them all, but I find more and more every day that goes by, it seems like. But when it comes down to it, do we want to be a good soldier? You see, the first thing we need to do, if we're going to be a good soldier, if there's any hope, it's not going to be because we've just got it all so perfect. We're going to have our priorities in life right. What is really important to us? Winning the lost, teaching them the Word of God, edifying one another, building one another up in the faith, and expecting our Lord to come back for us one day. We're going to face him. But you see, patriotism is something that I guess in we look around us and we see very little of it in the natural world a lot this time. But notice, first of all, what is said in chapter 2 and verse 4 there that we read. He said, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You see, patriotism is about being faithful to something that's bigger than you. It goes beyond you. You see, I stand before you this evening. Now, I realize that I guess if I look around, I'm one of the, I'm one of the, one of the few foreigners that is, that is here tonight, even though that I've lived more of my life in this country than I have, quote, my home country. You know, but I'm a pretty patriotic person. I'm one of those guys that, boy, I used to feel very proud when I, put on my Air Force blues, and, and stood in those crisp uniforms. I, my heart beats funny when, when the national anthem of my country, I want to stand to attention. And, of course, the thing is, you know, I guess that I spent a lot of my life just placing my, my hand over my heart. After being a soldier, I want to pop to attention. I want to get those lines on that seam because I'm patriotic. And you know what? The United States of America has done a lot of things that I'm not proud of. They certainly are, um, it's not because they're perfect, but it's something that I'm proud of my nation. And I'm proud of the United Kingdom. Matter of fact, a lot of times I think as a foreigner that I'm more proud of this country than most of the British people that I meet. 
It amazes me. I see so little patriotism, faithfulness to the cause of the whole. We're a unit. The truth is, is that whether we be Americans or whether you be British or whatever your nationality might be here this evening, we've got Filipinos and we've got Greeks and I look around and, <laughs> you know, the truth is that every one of us as Christians, as believers, we're foreigners and we're aliens in this world. <laughs> Our citizenship is in heaven. But, I don't, you know, he's saying a good soldier is not going to entangle himself with the affairs of this world because that's going to get you sidetracked. The truth is, where does our real allegiance lie? What is more important to us? You see, I think that, I think that we ought to be patriotic. And I don't mean this nasty this evening. Everybody that wants to come into Great Britain and live here and make this their home and yet change everything to the way it was wherever they come from, why don't they go back where they come from? I think we ought to welcome people that need a home. But when I came to Britain, I didn't come here to turn it into a little America. I had to learn to do some things different. And the truth is, is that we ought to be willing to do that. Where does our allegiance lie this evening above all else? The Apostle Paul realized <laughs> he was a foreigner here. He was an alien in this world. And a good soldier couldn't let himself. You know, a soldier that goes out there to fight a battle. If he starts letting himself get entangled in the things around him that takes him away from his responsibility as that soldier, then it's only going to bring him harm. He said in chapter 1, verse 13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That's part of what we're talking about in our series on, on the mornings. Look at uh, chapter 2 and verse 21. He says, If a man therefore purge himself with these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Is it more important for us to be usable of God <laughs> or to be accepted by the world? To be honored by him or to be honored by this place down here? In chapter 3, verse 14, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He says in chapter 4, verse 7, I fought a good fight. <laughs> I've kept the faith. You know, the truth is, the Apostle Paul was a patriot to a much bigger cause than himself. He was a patriot to heaven. The Bible says that each and every one of us, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he told them that we were ambassadors for Jesus Christ. So we find that to be a good soldier this evening, first of all, your priorities have got to be in place. But second of all, your patriotism needs to be right. <laughs> You've got to be a patriot. You've got to be faithful to the cause. You know, Paul is trying to drum into Timothy over and over. You've got to stay the course. You've got to stay true to that which you've been taught. You can't back off. You can't give up. You can't let yourself be pulled away from it, drawn away from it, entangled in the things of this world. Stand true to what God's given you. Stand true to God's cause. That's the important thing. The priorities, the patriotism, 
And of course, I mentioned to you earlier the passion. The passion. You see, what is it that drives us from within? We find that, again, if we look back into chapter 1, notice what he says in verse 6, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou, what's that next word in your Bible? Stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. You see, again, the Apostle Paul is talking here about being stirred up. That's nothing new. Sometimes we think that we're not supposed to get excited about the stuff. <laughs> well, no, the truth is, is that you've got to have some passion for something. If you're going to really be willing to, to go the course, if you're going to be really willing when it comes right down to it, to put your life on the line as a good soldier if that's what it takes, there better be some passion in chapter 2 at verse 14, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. You know, we could spend so much of our time putting our energies into all the things that aren't important anyway. <laughs> we can, it's, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me a lot of times, and, I, and I'm not trying to be mean, the number of Christians... They couldn't name all 12 apostles, couldn't give you all the books in the Bible, but they could tell you every actor and every actress has ever played in any film for the last five or ten years just about. They could tell you what pop singers have sing, what songs, and what when they've been at number one, and all these things, all these things that in the end, of what importance are they? Of what value are they? You know, all those things in themselves aren't wrong. Some of them are. But I'm saying sometimes it's not just things that are wrong that take us away from that which is of so much importance. It's just things that get our attention, that get our passions, <laughs> the things that somehow we can get more excited about a song or a movie or something that's going on than we can about leading someone to Christ than we can about being an encouragement to a brother or a sister that, that really needs some encouragement at that moment. What a privilege. What are we passionate about? We find that I don't think that it's too hard to figure out where the Apostle Paul's passions laid. This evening, this evening, we get to the end. Could we honestly speak the words that are on the board? I've fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. You see, I'm convinced the business of the church is what we see laid out before us right here. It's not to get entangled in all the fancy programs and how we compare to this one and that one and the other. We've got to have our priorities in order. We need to be patriotic above all else to God, to His cause. No matter what it costs us down here, we need some passion. 
We, we, need, we need some stoking up. We need the gifts stirred up in us a little bit. We need to be passionate about this thing. You know, if you're passionate about something, have you ever had somebody telling you about something and it, and it was like, you know, it just wouldn't come out. The words were all getting, you know, it's just because they were so excited about it. When was the last time you got so excited about telling somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ that it was hard just to, to keep the words from all running together? People ask me sometimes. They say, you know, why do you get so loud when you preach sometimes? You don't have to say it that loud. <laughs> well, you know, I don't really try to say it loud or not loud. That's just me. I am passionate about the Lord. I'm passionate about his word. I'm passionate about these things that he, that he shows. And I'm not ashamed of that. You know, stuff a little cotton in years if it gets too loud for you. I'm not trying to, 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 to be funny. I'm not trying to, to, to say, you know, that these, I'm just saying that, you know, there ought to be a little passion in our Christian lives. People can tell when you, when you mean something and, and when you're serious about it. We're not all alike and we don't all show our passions in the same way. You know, it's just like I said one time, you know, all my sermons aren't the same. Sometimes I get more passionate about some things than I do about other things. Sometimes I'm nice and quiet, not too many times, but sometimes I get more boisterous than others. <laughs> Truth is, I don't, I'm not trying to be like anybody else. God knew what I was when he called me. I'm just me. But I trust and pray that what comes out of me comes out with a passion that you don't have any doubt. But I believe with all my heart what I'm preaching to you. You know, Sometimes with the faces we go around with in our life, folks, I'm not surprised that people don't take us too serious when we start telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he means to me. <laughs> we need some passion. We ought to be excited about the things of God. And you know, one of the things that will excite a church more than anything in all of the world, I mean, if, if you could stop and think, what could happen in our church that would be the most exciting thing, that would be more exciting to us than anything else. Well, it's not if we start all of our, we, we, could, we could, you know, start the hoopla, whooping it up and trying to do all these things that it's there today and it's gone tomorrow, and sometimes you don't enjoy too much of it even while it's going on, but I'll tell you what would bring more excitement into this place than anything else, and that's to see souls in that altar getting saved. We ought to have no greater passion than to see the lost coming to Christ. What will give us passion about getting out of there on the outreaches? Why would we get passion? Because when God gives us the opportunity and we get the privilege to genuinely share Christ with someone, we can get excited about it. Yeah, there's a lot of them don't want to hear, but there's some of them that are searching that do want to hear. I'm saying that we're going into this missions conference because the greatest priority that we have as a church is evangelization, winning souls to Christ all over this world, teaching them the things of God. Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, edifying, building them up in the faith. And, of course, 
looking for the blessed hope, <laughs> expecting our Lord to turn, knowing that we're going to face him, but living like we believe it, to be patriotic, not just to what's meaningful to us in this life, but to our greatest cause of all, God's cause, his kingdom of which we belong. Are we truly patriots? And to be passionate. You know, a soldier will only go so far, even out of duty. But it's amazing what he'll do from his heart if he really cares about what he's doing. If he really cares, if he's proud of what he's doing, if he's doing it for something that genuinely means something to him, we need to have some passion this evening. Father, I think if we've looked at these simple thoughts, Lord, as certainly upon this preacher's mind and heart, you, Lord, laid upon my heart as we head into this missions conference, Lord, that each and every one of us, every one of us, Lord, we all have a responsibility in some way, but what a great privilege, Lord, to be part of your family, to be part of your church. Lord, I just pray this evening as we've just, Lord, done a lot of reading but tried to take a few simple points from it that would help us, yes, on an individual basis, to be good soldiers, as you call them there. Father, to be able to stand before you one day, to be able to speak the words the Apostle Paul did, to know that we fought a good fight, that we finished our course, we've kept the faith. And Lord, I pray this evening, Lord, as we prepare our hearts and move into another time of our annual missions conference here at Bethel, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to just have a heart for that which, Lord, is without any shadow of a doubt, your heartbeat, that's the winning of lost souls to Christ. Father, I pray for each of us here this evening. I pray for each one individually that we as a body together help us to be good soldiers. Help us to recognize what the business of the church really and truly is. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.